It's all here. A no-hitter. Grand slam. Have all the fun you want. Every moment. Every game. Make sure you guys tune in. Catch the White Sox. Only on NBC Sports Chicago. Hey everybody, it's Chuck Arfine. Welcome to the White Sox Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust. Okay, the All-Star Game is over. A mic'd up Liam Hendricks gave America the first rated R save in Major League history. Congrats to Liam and to us. That was hilarious. And now it's time for the White Sox to begin the second half of the season. What is in store for them? both on the field with the team and off the field in terms of trades with the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month. Well, Jesse Rogers is back from the All-Star Game. He's going to join me on the podcast to talk about possible trade targets for the White Sox. In fact, he spoke with two of them at the All-Star Game, Eduardo Escobar and Adam Frazier. Could the White Sox make a deal with the Cubs? A lot of chatter amongst White Sox fans and media members about this right now. Well, if it was to happen, what Cubs player could he see coming to the South Side? What about relief help? Jesse gives us a couple of names to look out for and more. So it's Jesse Rogers recapping the All-Star Game and talking about possible trade targets for the White Sox as we start the second half of the season and the trade market starts to heat up. It's coming your way. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With White Sox checking, you'll score a Sox debit card. Plus, you'll get a special offer when you open online today at Wintrust.com slash Sox Talk. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. White Sox! White Sox! Go! Go! White Sox! That ball hit deep way back! Deep to the Holy cow! Carlton Fest has put the White Sox ahead! Jimenez leaves the ballpark! You can put it on the board! Yes! We got a chance to do something real special. All right, sit back, relax, and strap it down. It's time for the White Sox Talk Podcast. All right, Jesse Rogers covers the White Sox, the Cubs, basically everything going on in MLB for ESPN. He just got back from the All-Star game. Uh, I guess, Jesse, what I can sum up from the all-star game itself was we got a whole lot of Liam Hendricks, probably too much for the FCC's <laughs> liking, not enough Tim Anderson and no Carlos Rodon. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, you summed it up well. And, and man, I, I didn't think I, I rarely look at like how many retweets I get on something, but I, I tweeted out that quote from Kevin Cash that he was sick to his stomach that, Tim Anderson didn't get in at bat and, and man, it got retweeted like a hundred times. I mean, that was an emotional thing for people. Apparently Tim Anderson, not getting in at bat. It, I don't know if it happens every year, but I feel like there's always a player that gets kind of screwed, whether it be 
not getting in at bat, not getting on the mound, not getting in the field. Now, Anderson did play, T.A. did play two innings in the field, and then he was left on deck, as, as Cash said. So um, it was, I guess, kind of cool the manager recognized him in his post game. Uh, but the highlight certainly is Liam Hendricks. Not, I wonder if he didn't really realize he was live or just was saying that. I'm not sure. I'm still not sure. Okay, my guess is because he couldn't hear them, he probably thought they can't hear me. That's my guess. He's not in broadcasting. Right, true. <laughs> He's just true. playing. He's like, oh, this is defective. It's not working. I'm just going to swear because that's my guess. I don't know. Yeah, don't forget Lance Lynn got in there, and I was able to talk to him after the after the game. Uh, man, this is one of my favorite players in baseball. Yeah. You must feel the same way. I mean, I feel like anybody that's a little bit of age – um, he brings back that whole old school mentality, but I, I'm assuming young fans like him as well. Just, he's just, he's just no BS. And it was fun talking to him. I, I asked him, did you have the same adrenaline as you would in a regular season game? He said, absolutely. I don't want to give a, give up a hit anytime. I said, what about a walk? Cause he did walk a guy. He said, oh, I was trying to strike him out. So I, I can live with that, but he, he pitched a good inning and it, it, it was just good to see a couple socks out there. I think Lance Lynn is quote unquote, your dad's favorite player. Like he's right. a dad's favorite, right? Unfortunately, I'm getting to that age. Yeah. Where if I'm I 11 be... years old, I'm not like, Ooh, Lance Lynn, that's my guy. It's going to be like Tim Anderson, right? Yeah. You're right about that. You're right about that. I, I, so it's funny you bring that up because Carlos Rodon is a little bit younger. I consider him still young, right? Sort of. Right. I mean, he's been the league. Right. Anyway. So at media day, I was alone with Rodon and I swear to God, Chuck, I said to him, tell me, that Lance Lynn is one of your favorite players. I want him to be one of your favorite players as kind of a younger guy. He said, absolutely. I think he swore. He said, absolutely. You, you know, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and I go, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad like a little bit younger players love everything about Lance Lynn. Yeah. I want a t-shirt of all the things that he's said, like big bastard. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I love when he said, I, I, I belong on the South side. I'm a South sider. He'd been here like a minute and he already, feels like he belongs there. And, and you know what? He kind of does. He, he could put away a Polish or two. Yeah. My concern is this is one and done for him. I know nothing. Yeah. All I know is that he's going to be in high demand. And how many years does he get? How many years of a contract do you think he'll be looking for? Because if it's, I mean, how old is he? 33, 34. So, yeah. I, I don't think he gets more than three. I just don't. I mean, it, it, age catches up to you quick. Um, a, a good three-year deal, no doubt. He's he certainly made himself some money. Maybe the maybe the Sox will resign him. I get it. Kopech's winning the wings, crochet, but boy, he's a tough guy to replace. Just the whole demeanor. Yeah, but I, I'm just looking at finances because yeah. all right, then there's Giolito at some point. Mm-hmm. There, you have one more year of Keuchel, you're going to be putting Kopech in the rotation. I guess maybe Garrett Crochet. So, you're- and he probably won't pitch any better than he has. I mean, I get it. And at some point you do have to turn it over. And like you said, you know, you, you know, bring in the younger guy that's not making as much. And eventually you may have to pay those guys like Giolito. Everything you said is so right. I just love watching the guy pitch. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm just speaking realistically. Yeah. Because he's going to be free agent. Someone is going to just, I think some team is going to be like, we need him. We're going to, if not overpay, we're going to pay a lot of money for him. Will the White Sox do it? I just don't know the answer to that one. I, I see it being competitive, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And the same question is going to come up with Rodon, who's a little bit younger, but he's going to demand an even bigger contract. So 
look, those are decisions for November. If you have a parade before that, <laughs> all bets are off. Stay, go. Nobody will care that much, although you, you'd want to repeat. If they don't win it all, then you're like, well, can we afford to lose this guy? We might need him for the next run. You know, so those questions change. The answers change depending on how the season ends. Okay, so that's down the road. Let's talk about what could be coming in the short run in terms of the trade deadline. You spoke with, oh, Eduardo Escobar, Adam Frazier at the All-Star Game. Please disclose anything that you can from what you learned from those conversations and others at the All-Star Game. Yeah, I mean, isn't it interesting that two guys that are on the market both made the All-Star team? That's good, right? That's good for the buyers out there. It's also good for the sellers, I guess, because they'll get as much as they can for them. They are certainly aware of the talk. You know, I talked to a bunch of players uh, that are on the trade market, some not necessarily on the White Sox radar, radar, and every player has a different way of handling it. Like Kyle Gibson of the Rangers, he'll be on the move, not to the White Sox, they don't need a starter, is turning off his phone for the next two weeks. And if he turns it on and, and, and uh, one a Rangers executive is on there, he'll know what's going on. Escobar, completely aware, much more in tune with what's happening knows about the White Sox rumors, um, understands that he's probably gone. I mean, it's just a matter of time for him. Frazier's a little diff- a little in between those two, uh, trying to block it out, but also has had conversations with Pirates executives about his situation. Um, and he's got one more year left, right? So it's a little bit different. And that's why I think Escobar probably is the, the top target. I, I, I did some investigating around him in terms of you know, what people think of him and demeanor and locker room fit. And it seems like he'd be perfect for the White Sox in all those ancillary ways. And then also uh, production on the field. He's sort of the right age that you're, you're fine to move on from him after this year. So um, I really talked to him, you know, for a while to get to know him. And, and, and then I watched him in the, uh, in the uh, NL dugout and all the interactions. And it, it does seem like he'd be a really good fit. That's what I'm hearing. Great fit for this team. Obviously has a history. The contract makes sense for a number of reasons. Obviously it's one year and you just can plug Nick Madrigal on second base next year. Frazier. Okay. Then you're entering next year and there's unknowns about next year with the collective bargaining agreement. Do you want to take that on right now? I don't know. But then I see Frazier play like he played against the White Sox. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy'd be great for the White Sox. Yeah, they're both good players. Um, and remember, the 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 return really goes up a notch when a guy has another year on the on the deal. Mm-hmm. Escobar's, you know, the return to, for Escobar, it, it it won't. Those socks will not have to give up that much. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to okay, how much money are you willing to take, and if it's less money, it's a better prospect. But it's not going to be anybody that you're really. My guess. It's not going to be any big-time prospect like uh, – I don't even want to throw a name out there, but anybody that you are emotionally invested in. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. I mean, we know this about position players in general. Um, uh, he's he's not um, Chris Bryant at the deadline or J.D. Martinez or – you know, he's he's a good player, and he made the All-Star team. Uh, but he's, you know, a nice second baseman. Actually has more power than you'd think looking at his size – uh, so you give him one prospect back. That's that's what the Diamondbacks would get, and it wouldn't be a a top you know ten prospect at that. So it, it it's not going to cost much at all, and it makes a lot of sense. So it, it could just be a matter of time at this point. All right. So you know Chris Bryant really well. Um, you've covered Craig Kimbrell as well. 
a lot of people are wondering, would the Cubs and White Sox make a trade again? What do you think? Yeah, I think you didn't mention the guy that to me would be most likely, and that's Jack Peterson. I know on the radio, they've been talking about Baez, move him over to second instead of Escobar. I just don't think that's happening. Um, Kimbrell's not happening. It's that the prospect return would be huge. That's where the White Sox would have to give up crochet or something. Well, and how, then, much, how much is left on his deal? No, he's got an option for next year. So he's technically a free agent. It still would be big. Really? It still would be big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Craig Kimbrell is, is that that's the piece. And we, we could do 20 minutes on this. It, go back to 16 with the Cubs. Keg, you don't trade for Araldis Chapman in 16 or Craig Kimbrell this year if you're in third place. Right. These are finishing touches to a World Series team. And that is going to cost you. I would almost guarantee you Kimbrell gets traded to a first-place team or second-place team. Now, in this case, I get it, the White Sox fit that category, but they have a really good closer, an all-star closer. So now one of them pitches the eighth inning. And is it really worth it to give up that much for an eighth-inning guy? And remember, a crosstown tri- trade, as, as Theo said back with the Quintana, Cease, Eloy, there's a tax involved. The, yep. the Cubs had to give up that extra player. The Sox would absolutely have to give up more than they would want for what would be an eighth inning guy, whether it be Liam or Craig. It's just a pie in the sky. Jack Peterson, I still think the Sox are a little bit deficient from the left side, unless Gavin Sheets is the answer, which he might be. Or Brian on, Goodwin. Or Brian Goodwin. On, on paper, I feel like, you know, Peterson's a veteran, all that stuff. And the Sox have always liked him, and he wouldn't cost that much either. So if they were to do a, de- if they were do- to do a deal, I think it would be for Jack. That makes more sense because you look at the schedule right after the trade deadline, the Cubs and Sox played two series. And if you're going to, what a PR hit that would be if they say traded Chris Bryant or Kimbrell to the White Sox, Jack Peterson, not as much. Do you feel like that's how realistic do you think that would be? Jack Peterson and the White Sox. I, I, if the Sox are interested, I think it's, possible but they may have enough hitters if they trade for a second baseman mm-hmm. well i mean gavin sheets and 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 these guys these rookies vaughn yeah. certainly has proven he's he's a mainstay um so i'm I say if they're interested i think it could happen why not we saw a huge one just three years ago katana for for cease and, and uh eloy so absolutely i think the uh, a peterson deal could happen much more than i think a kimberler hobby bias one would would happen all right the hobby bias who started that I think Tom Waddle. (laughs) I mean, come on. It's not happening. I don't want any White Sox fan to even think that there's a chance of this. If Tom Waddle wasn't the one who started this, then it's, I put it all on Tom. Why is he doing that? And I don't even like the Trevor story angle either. I don't, I don't like the idea of moving the shortstop over to second and um, giving up a bigger prospect for either of those guys. And then it's just, it's just weird. Escobar fits in perfectly. So does Frazier. Just just go that route. Your your team is pretty stacked, especially with Eli coming back and probably Luis Roberts. So unless they feel like they have to go a little bit a notch higher, to me, it'd be Jack Peterson. What about relief help? You hearing anything with relievers in the White Sox? Other I mean, than I ha- Kimbrell. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I haven't heard specific names, but I will tell you, I absolutely like going back to what we talked about before. Um, the idea of taking a ninth inning guy on a bad team and moving him down to the eighth inning mm-hmm. on a good team. Richard Rodriguez fits that category from the Pirates. I'll give you another name no one talks about. Kendall Graveman oh, is yeah. having 
unbelievable year with the Mariners. Now the Mariners are kind of in it. I think they're three and a half out of the wild card. I just don't think they're going to be buyers. And if the Sox come calling with the right prospect, I think they would move Graveman because Graveman could be a one-year wonder. You don't know, but he is pitching great. If you recall, the Cubs had him while he was rehabbing and then let him go. He had Tommy John and now Seattle is reaping the benefits. But I like those kind of guys. They're not in a high pressure situation necessarily as ninth inning guys. They'd be entering some high-pressure situations, but now as an eighth-inning guy, I love that idea um, because you take the ninth-inning mentality and you stick them in the eighth inning on a better team in a pennant race. Um, I'd be surprised if the Sox didn't get sort of one of those types of pitchers. I just think that from the right side, Kopech's not enough, and Foster and Hoyer, they, they haven't had those years that we thought they'd have. Yeah, I, I would say Hoyer's had his moments, his real good moments, but – He's not dependable, at least not yet. I could see them adding two relievers if they really want to go for it. And you know, Tony wants you know a, a, a rock solid bullpen, and right now it's not it's not World Series rock solid. It is we can get to the playoffs with this solid. You know, something happened before the break that I brought up to Tony, and he kind of downplayed it. But I looked at baseball reference, and at least according to them, Jose Ruiz until about a week ago had not pitched in a high leverage situation, at least according to baseball reference in the last 10 days, he's pitched in two little shaky. I like, I, I think they, I thought that maybe he was trying him out a little bit ahead of the deadline. Tony downplayed it, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it because I don't think it's coincidence right here in July. Ruiz gets a couple high leverage. I don't think he's the answer though. I don't think he's the answer. All right. So as the pre and post game host of White Sox, pre and post game live. I may have been looking at the medium, low and high leverage stats of Jose Ruiz in the last few weeks. It's so funny. You said this, like you and I, I, are you and I might be the yeah. only people yes, who are doing yes, this. Yes. So when you said this, I'm like, wait a second. I was doing that. Did you, did you go to baseball reference? Cause I think, every, yes. you know, and he had zero, it was no, zero. No, 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 no. He had, I think four at bats. No. Uh, against high leverage. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was looking at appearances it said zero appearances. Maybe, uh, you know, he entered the game in yeah. zero, zero times at high leverage. Now, maybe within the appearance, whatever. The point is he really hasn't had a huge tryout in that role. He's had a few now, and I'm not sure he's the answer. Well, what I found was this. You put him in low leverage situations, he is amazing. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good. You put him in what they call medium leverage, and I was trying to find out what medium leverage meant, and I couldn't right. Exactly, find that out, but please don't ask me. Please don't ask me. No, but you can use your imagination. A medium yeah, right. leverage situation, right. not good at that as well. So when he's coming to the games, I now because it's because there have been times I'm like, wow, look at Jose Ruiz, he's incredible, and I right. realize, oh, that was a low leverage situation. I, you know what? There's there's a method to the madness of Tony Larusa, as uh, I'm I'm finding. There's a lot more going on with a lot of the moves that he's made looking back at April and May, they were, you know, dissected, like, why is he doing that? And that, there might've been part of why Jose Ruiz was in that situation. Cause he also wants to say, okay, the trade deadline's coming up. What do I have in Jose Ruiz? Let's put him I in agree. the game. And that's why he did it. Cause I was like, why is Jose Ruiz in this game? But then you, you can go down the road of, well, maybe this, this person's not available. That person's not available, but there's got to be some yeah. Were you on that Zoom when I asked Larissa about no, it? No, I was I don't, Yeah. I, no, believe I mean, me, I would have texted you. But like, you asked about Jose Ruiz. I'm and, all in on this. And it was funny because it was like some sort of dramatic 
finish or something. Yeah. So the story wasn't Jose Ruiz. And so I may have even waited till the next day because I'm like, tonight, on, it was like a walk-off or something. No one cares about it. So I asked him the next day and he said, no, he's been in it before. And I don't, I don't think Tony was looking at the baseball reference stat that I was looking at. So uh, here, going back to your question, I, there's always relievers out there that you don't hear about. And you know, mm-hmm. oh, oh, the White Sox traded for him. So I, I wish I could give you exactly who, but I do know that executives like the idea people in uniform give me a closer on a bad team i'm going to put him in the seventh or eighth inning on my good team and watch this because he's already been in pressure situations but we're not putting the whole thing on him to close now in a pennant race so keep an eye on some of those names here's a question for you next year at the all-star game will the manager for the american league be tony la russa so ESPN.com asked me just yesterday during the break to give me um, some best bets for the second half, right? If I was advising people out there. And before we tape this podcast, I wrote it up. The White Sox plus 800 to win the World Series. And uh, my reasoning is simple. It's the same reasoning I've given for the first three months of the season once we knew they were really good. Not many teams can boast a six-man rotation, if you include Kopech, that the White Sox can and starting pitching is how you win championships. Now, if the Sox strength was the lineup and not pitching, I would not have picked them. But starting pitching is like having the best goaltender in hockey. Yeah. It can win you when you have other parts of the game not going well. And I certainly have some questions about the White Sox against better competition. I absolutely want to see what they do against the Astros this weekend. And then in those road series in the second half, um, that, that, that road uh, trip against Tampa and Toronto, I want to see that. So we don't know exactly what they're going to be in October, but we do know those five guys have carried them. will probably continue to carry them with Michael Kopech. So managing the all-star game next year. I mean, you're putting me on the spot. Sure. I'm going to say, sure. Tony LaRusso will be doing it. Why not? I'll get back to LaRusso in a moment, but you mentioned the, their record against, you know, really good teams. So I got the numbers here against teams with a under 500 record, a team is with under 500 record. They're 38 and 11 yeah. against teams over 500, 16 and 24. Obviously not good. The Astros against teams with a record over 500 are 42 and 22, but against teams under 500, they're 13 and 14. They can't beat the crappy teams. They just got swept by the Orioles a couple of weeks ago. What do you make of that? I've got some thoughts, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on just what that means, if it means anything right now. Okay, I do have a lot of thoughts on this. So let's take the Astros, for example. I think there's much more meaning in their record against plus 500 than minus 500 because that's a veteran team. If they sleepwalk through some games against crappy competition, big deal. They're not going to sleepwalk in October. We know that. So that record means a lot, that plus 500 record. Now let's go to the White Sox. I'm a big schedule guy. I've said this on the radio a million times, meaning sometimes you can falter against bad teams because the schedule is working in their favor. Sometimes you can falter against good teams because the schedule is working in their favor. This happened to the the Cubs in May and then in, in, in a good way and then in June in a negative way. For the White Sox, I haven't seen the schedule playing a big part in a lot of these things, if you get my drift. So I do find some meaning in their below 500 record against the better teams. I do find some meaning. 
I think, and this is why I'm interested in the second half. I, I, I find meaning in it, but I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's such a negative because they're a young team. They go to New York, they get swept, but it's two one-run games and Garrett yep. Cole b- before they took Triple the play. Right. Now, I will say uh, when they went to Houston, Houston was playing great. And the, and the White Sox were due in that moment. You saw even after Houston, they faltered a little bit against Pittsburgh, and then I forget the next opponent. So they were sort of, I will say the schedule in that moment was, okay, the baseball gods were saying, the Sox, you're due for a little bad stretch. And by the way, here's Houston to, to give it to you. But having said all that, I want to see them against the better competition in the second half. I do feel like it has some meaning. If they continue to lose against it, I would be, I'd be worried about October a little bit. But I have seen many times the Cubs in 15 swept the Mets in the regular season and they got swept in the postseason. So let's not over-dramatize this thing, but say that, yes, there is a little bit of meaning to it. What, what's your take? Yeah, well, so the Astros series, I looked at that and realized, okay, this is terrible timing for the White Sox. And their best pitcher, Lance Lynn, has ungodly bad numbers against the Astros hitters and at that ballpark. So when it came down to him pitching, I was like, oh, this is not good. They weren't hitting at the time. It was just it was just bad mojo all around. Right. So I just looked at that. The Yankees series could have gone either way. Uh, the the Red Sox, when they lost three of four, I think they lost three of four. They they were it was okay. Uh, the right. Giolito had that one game where he just, you know, gave up like eight runs in the first inning. They won series, I believe. Then they beat the Jays and the Rays at home. At home. Yeah, at home, at home, though. That that you absolutely fine, but I, I I do want to see it on the road. But yeah, so it, it's not so bad. I think you're trying to make the case that it's it's not so bad. I mean, the Yankees needed a triple play as well. Yeah, I would say that even though their record against over 500 teams is under 500, like I would like, was it eight games under? I would say this White Sox team is essentially a 500 team against teams over 500. I get it. I get it. That's let what they say, probably are. Let me say this. I think you'd agree with me. They're going to win the division. So those games against the Yankees and Astros, in terms of the standings, not a big deal. So I think they got immense um, information out of those series, immense experience out of those mm-hmm. series. I think secretly Tony La Russa isn't, pulling his hair out that he, that they lost those series, like those battle scars. And that's the phrase I've been using are going to come in handy later on. Yeah. How about this? There's a mandatory workout Thursday. Did you hear about this? No, I haven't. Cause I was All in right. Denver. Okay. So I think uh, I, here's the, I have not been able to confirm this. I was on the set. I probably shouldn't be bringing this up. But it's not true. I was on the set uh, during the post game show and they said in my ear, yeah, the white Sox are having a mandatory workout thursday unless you're an all-star um and i heard that and i was like you know what this is tony this is tony getting his team ready for the second half the first game is again for series against the astros and he wants his guys ready because he knows he knows what what an all-star break can potentially do to a team and they got a big series coming up um, so that if, if that's true, I hope it is, uh, right. that says a lot about La Russa and the White Sox to me. I'm trying to remember if that is outside the norm. Like do most, I've teams... never heard this. Okay. Not mandatory. They certainly have workout days, uh, maybe, but maybe it's been voluntary in the past. I just can't remember. I just can't remember. I think it's a bunch of things. I think if you're right about playing the Astros who just whipped their butt, um, it's, you know, second half refocus. Also they have an eight game lead. 
you can lose a little focus just on that alone. Yeah. So I wonder if they were playing a different opponent, if it would be different. I'm glad he did let the all-stars off because if not, that would be classic Tony La Russa, right? All-stars get back here and work out. So um, like as observers, you and I, we like it, right? Hey, what, what do we care? We don't have to work out, but you know, they get one less day of vacation, but so what they're playing Houston and they've got revenge on their mind. Hey, can I give you a little hint um, uh, about something? If you want to cover this over the weekend, I'm off over the weekend. Uh, someone told me that, um, uh, I can't remember his name, the manager of the Astros, Dusty Baker, uh, reached out to Ricky Renteria after he got fired and really was like an ear for him after he got fired by the White Sox or let go by the White Sox. And so, um, maybe that's something to follow up on. I didn't know Dusty and Ricky had a, had a relationship, but obviously they crossed, they must've crossed paths over the years. Well, who, who had the ear? It was Ricky being an ear for Dusty or Dusty being an ear for Ricky. Oh, I, I assume it was Dusty being a, an ear for Ricky. I don't oh, so, know the whole story. That's why I'm handing it to you, Chuck. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think Dusty reached out and said, hey, man, you know, sorry to hear what happened and all that jazz. Well, since we're talking about managing or former manager, but let's talk about the current manager, La Russa. Sure. I don't know what your opinion was of him when, A, he was hired, B, going into the season after the spring training he had well, where you are right now and how he's been a fit for this team. Where do you stand on La Russa and the job he's done so far? Okay. Pretty straightforward. Um, like most people, I, I had nothing against him when they hired him other than the f- fact that I thought there were other people better for the job, which I would say to him right now. And he would be like, I get that. It's been 10 years. There's other people more that have done the job. I get that. I was certainly willing to give him a chance. I, I, I knew the guy back in his you know first couple times around. Um, and let's put it this way. The, the games that he may have made mistakes on, we go back to what I said about uh, the Yankees and the Astros. It turns out no big deal because they had such a good team. There's no doubt in my mind he needed a little bit of time to get back in the swing of things. It, luckily, it's not a 60-game season. It's 162. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he's got a Rolls Royce of a team. So whatever hiccups – and look, running Liam Hendricks could have been a complete disaster and, and I mean, a fireable offense if that guy gets hurt. But he didn't. They survived it. And I have it, it seems like smooth sailing ever since the Yermain 3-0 swing. Like, they had those bumps. You expect them early. They happened. The team's sailing along. I have no problem with Tony Larusa, And I love covering him as a reporter. Now, why do you love, love covering him as a reporter? Because he's honest. He's straightforward admits mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 he didn't have to, he doesn't have to be any of that as a hall of fame manager. He could probably look down at us and all that stuff, but he knew enough that, look, I've been gone 10 years. I've got to earn everybody's respect back. It wasn't lip service. He's tried to do it, had those hiccups, but maybe he's better for it. Maybe the team's better for it. He seems to value the media, which in today's mm-hmm. age, uh, I value him even more because he values us. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's probably only one other manager that would openly, outwardly admit mistakes like Tony did earlier in the season, and that's Jim Riggleman, only one that I've covered. Jim Riggleman would be like asking us, did did I do something wrong there? I mean, who does that? Now, Tony didn't go that far, but he certainly asked uh, James Fagan to read the rule to him on the Zoom. So I give Tony credit. You know, like you have to be secure in your own body to, to, to admit mistakes and and, you know, the bottom line is you make too many, you won't have a job. But the team was too good for him to, 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 to ruin things early on. And now I think he's found his stride. 
Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we got uh, a big series coming up. We have the trade deadline. Yeah. We got some two Cubs series. We got Field of Dreams. I mean, this is going to be a fun second half for the White Sox and hopefully a division title at the end of it. And who knows after that? You got it, Chuck. I'm looking forward to all of it. It should be a great uh, end of the summer. All right. Jesse Rogers, thanks for being here. Appreciate your time. Anytime you know that for you, buddy. Okay, you were the man. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening to the White Sox Talk podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, your home for White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Go to their special White Sox webpage, www.wintrust.com slash Sox. Hawk Harrelson, take it away. Thanks, our Chuck. And this edition of the White Sox Talk podcast is over. Did you know that 80% of the grass-fed beef sold in the U.S. is imported from overseas? Uh, That's why I get my meat from GoodRanchers.com. When you buy Good Ranchers, not only are you getting amazing meat, but you're also supporting American farms. GoodRanchers.com safely delivers American craft beef, better than organic chicken, and more. I deliver it quickly and safely to your door. Don't play the grocery store guessing game. Know where your meat comes from with GoodRanchers.com. Go to GoodRanchers.com and use the code CHICAGO for $20 off and free express shipping.